really want people to hear that you know if the sponsorship can be a very can have a hugely profound impact in your life and your business if you approach it the right way. I want today to really feel like a, a masterclass in sponsorships and brand deals. And when I, again, I think it can be really overwhelming. And so I kind of, though, I'm curious that, you know, for people who know sponsorships can be great or people that might are like, I've never even really, you know, explored it. You know, do you think it's possible to make $10,000 a month from sponsorships? And how possible is it then to like the range from 10,000 a month to let's go crazy. I love going crazy just to play with it, but a million dollars a month through sponsorships. Like, is that possible as a creator? Because I think your answer to that will, will determine whether people think, okay, I need to hear more. One really interesting thing. Let me give you a quick background. Like I came up through YouTube. Okay. Cause that's what I really still consider myself kind of a YouTuber. My wife started her first YouTube channel in 2009. Um, and so a lot of my experience is based on helping her grow her career. Then we, I started going in front of the camera and we were doing content together and like started working with a lot of brands. Um, and so to your point, like, you know, a lot of my experience comes from, you know, we've made over $4 million working with brands uh, in the last uh, decade, basically. Um, and so we've done tons and tons of deals, but I also ran an influencer marketing agency for about seven years where I was kind of behind the scenes with a lot of these big brands and big advertisers, helping them now decide the platform strategy who are we going to, what, you know, what creators are going, are we going to work with demographics? You know, let's spend a million dollars across a hundred, 200 creators, right? So a very different conversation. Um, and so, uh, the reason I bring that up is that when you, um, you know, a lot of creators think of sponsorships as something as, as one of the first things, okay, I, I built this influence. I built this audience. How can I monetize this? Right. And the first thing you think of is like sponsorships. Let me get a brand to like pay me to talk about them on my newsletter or my podcast or my YouTube channel or whatever. Right. And so then that's when you start kind of going dabbling down this road. Um, and the, the clarifying point I think to make is, is that I believe there's kind of two different camps. You've got the social media creators, the people who have built their businesses kind of on rented land to some degree, right? The YouTube, the TikTok, the Instagram, et cetera. Um, and then you've got the owned platform creators who I think of as like kind of newsletter operators, community folks, podcasters, bloggers, people who have more of a direct connection, I would say, to their audience, to their following. And it's actually that latter camp that gets a lot more comfortable more quickly with direct monetization, meaning courses, coaching, digital products, you know, things like that, um, versus the social media creators, because they're in essence monetizing their influence through things like AdSense, uh, sponsorships, where you chiefly do not have to have a sales conversation with your audience. You don't have to say, hey, audience, pay me, right? And so it's very, it's much more palatable for the social media creators to do sponsorships because you just don't have to go there. You could just like a brand can pay you or YouTube can pay you with AdSense, you know, this type of thing, right? And so um, I think it's like an important like discussion point to start here um, because like you can make a lot of like oftentimes sponsorships is like one of the first ways that people will get to that 10k a month uh level a million uh, i would say a million uh you know dollars a month um that's when you have a much more diversified uh you know creator business where it's you know you've got you're doing everything right you're you have physical products you've got a you know you've got sponsorships you've got info products you've got coaching courses if you're that type of creator educational based creator um and so it's possible i mean there's creators doing it for sure uh, you know with that eight figure run rate um but like the vast, vast majority of us, I think probably safely safe to say everyone listening to this probably, um, you know, will probably want to do both or actually more affiliates. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things that you'd consider there. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's important to like set this this baseline kind of foundation layer um, to kind of understand why you, where you fall. Anyone who's listening. Yeah, no, I love that. So, I mean, yeah, to be clear, like you think 10,000 a month through sponsorships is super, super attainable for creators like if they're they're scared of of it like i just even think hearing like give we're, i want to give people permission today i think mm -hmm. it's kind of like an exciting thing like i want to give them permission to really start on this journey and you're the person that is really is there to help them along the way you know so like ten thousand a month as a target do you feel like that's in your mind you know all this stuff is like honestly more attainable than most people give themselves credit to go after 
one of the biggest limiting beliefs that I think podcasters have around sponsorships is that it's not worth it. They look at the CPMs that a potential sponsor might pay. Oh, $25 CPM, $30 CPM. I'm only getting a couple hundred, you know, listens or, or downloads of my podcast per episode. Like that's not going to move the needle at all. Like I'm not going to make 10 bucks an episode. Like I'm just not going to do that. Right. Um, and so they just don't even investigate it. They don't even look into it. They just don't think it's a worthwhile monetization, uh, revenue, you know, option to consider. Um, and so a lot of what I talk about with podcasters is helping to untether your worth and the value that you can provide to prospective sponsors from the number of, of downloads that you're getting. Um, because, when you are leading with this pitch to a brand, let's say you reach out and you say, hey, would love to you know, talk about you on my podcast. It's a perfect fit, this type of thing. And you lead with, here's how many downloads I'm getting. Here was my listenership over the last 30 days. Here's the demographics, this type of thing. When you lead with those kind of conversion-focused metrics, then you're going to instantly be commoditized. And you're, going to be, you're just going to be slotted in to another line item of that you know, uh, the brand's budget and, you know, because again, I ran an agency and so I know how this works. When we get, we would get what's called an RFP, a request for a proposal. Okay. And what they would, with a lot of these big brands, especially the ones you've heard on a lot of the podcasts, Athletic Greens and HelloFresh and Casper for a long time and all these stuff, right? They, their playbook is to say, okay, we want to reach uh, you know, 2 million ears or, well, I guess a million ears because there's two ears, right? Um, or mil whatever, a million, a million <laughs> listens, a million downloads, whatever. And so they don't give a crap about you. They say, how many downloads can this episode get? I'm going to put this into you know, row 197 of these other 500 podcasters that we work with in, in April of, you know, this year. Um, and th literally you are a commodity, right? And so you have no negotiating leverage. You have no ability to go back and be like, how about doing some other creative, you know, wait, they don't care, right? And so what I, what I hope you hear and the permission that I'm giving you is that that is not what all sponsorships are. Like that's, there, there is a lot of other opportunities, a lot of much more customized and bespoke ways in which you can serve a brand partner that have nothing to do with how many downloads you're getting. And so, um, you know, I have a podcast, I got it sponsored from day zero before I even launched it. Um, we could talk about that. Um, because it, it, I just really want people to hear that, you know, if the sponsorship can be a very, can have a hugely profound impact in your life and your business, if you approach it the right way. Yeah, I love that you just took everything this direction. I'm going to be honest. I had a list of questions, and now we're just going to pivot because this <laughs> is – we were going to get to this in a, like later, but we we're just – we're going for it. This is one of the key things that I think a lot of creators and podcasters misunderstand and where I think really they're missing the mark with their audience. And so I'm really curious to go back and forth on this because – when I think of, you know, podcasters that do run ads for, you know, those big brands that you just said, like a lot of the times it's like, I, you could not convince me that this host cares about this product whatsoever. And I'm being, it's being shoved down, you know, my throat every single time I'm listening to an episode. And I, you know, to me, sometimes I'm like, does that devalue, you know, the relationship between the audience and the creator? because of this brand that they're, you know, becoming just an item line for them and they're cashing in a little bit of money versus looking at sponsorships as a way of finding the core ones that you actually use, you actually believe in, and you can develop a deep relationship with kind of the thought of, you know, like a lot of podcasts will, will promote, you know, maybe, you know, there's like five to eight ads an episode, like it can get you a little crazy, um, and it's like, instead of promoting eight, you know, companies in one episode, it's like really going deep with five companies over each quarter. And so I'm curious about your thoughts around that. Like are podcasters, you know, hurting the relationship or, you know, creators in general, but we're, you know, podcasters here, but like creators in general, hurting the relationship with their audience by going for sponsorships in a way that you just describe where you're kind of just a commodity and you're just an item line that you don't really like you're just another number to the to the company which is cool you're making money but 
at the end of the day, how do you think that affects you? I do a lot of this where you ask me a question and I, I swear I'm not trying to sidestep it, but we have to like lay some foundation here to, to understand, uh, to understand how to think about um, how to find sponsors that are going to be a perfect fit. Because one thing you said in there uh, was like, I want to find, you know, let's find some sponsors that are like perfect for me. I love and I use the product. Uh, you know, this is a great fit, this type of thing. And this is where a lot of creators stop. They think it just has to be good for me. It just has to resonate with me. And there is a completely missing portion here, which is your audience. <laughs> so I, I talk about this concept called audience first offers which is uh, a way to learn how to sell stuff and be thanked for it, <laughs> okay? Because what a lot of creators do is, is they will look around their house or they'll look around the tools that they use, depending on what you know, niche of, of your podcast is, and you think, I'm just going to go reach out to you know, Transistor or I'm going to reach out to Riverside or these tools that I use to like make my show and like, oh, it's perfect fit, you know, this type of thing, um, which is not creative at all, not interesting. This is the, those companies receive hundreds, thousands of pitches a month, very uninteresting pitches, just like I described. And so the, the much more interesting and additive exercise for you to do as a podcaster is you actually need to be understanding the psychographics of your audience, not just the demographics. Yeah, you go into Spotify and you get some high level, you know, gender breakdowns, geography, ages like that. Yeah, some you know brands will care about that. But you know what's way more interesting is that if you send out a survey to your audience, you say, maybe you do your own pre-roll, uh, you know, at the beginning of your episode and you say, hey, I want to learn more about you. I want to understand what types of jobs do you have? Are you married? Do you have kids? You know, how are you, uh, you know, consuming my content generally? Are you, you know, binging my last six podcast episodes, you know, every Sunday? Or are you just catching, you know, 20 minutes of it on the commute, like a couple times a month? Like, help me understand what brands and products and services are you using and loving right now? Right? What uh, products and services do you wish that I offered that I don't? And why? What creators or peers in this industry would you love to see me collaborate with and why, right? And so what this does is it unfolds these three distinct buckets for you of how you can serve your audience. So the first is products. I call it your PSA, products, sponsorships, and alliances, okay? So products is clear, right? Like, wow, I didn't really know that people would want to be coached by me for this thing. Or I didn't really know that people wanted this, you know, course for me or whatever, digital product, downloadable book, whatever it is, right? Wow, that's interesting. Let me go investigate that. Um, the second is sponsorships, right? The brands are now, or these, the, your audience is now telling you that they have this, that the, this is a targeted list of brands that you can reach out to now because they're saying that we're using this product, we're loving it, right? Or, or better yet, maybe they're telling you that, you know, you you have a big cohort of your audience that you didn't realize had this challenge. Maybe it's their small business owners and uh, they're having trouble keeping up with their bookkeeping or tax, you know, tax preparation or something. You better go out there and pitch QuickBooks or FreshBooks, even though your podcast is not squarely on the topic of like bookkeeping or tax preparation or whatever. But you know that this is an an issue that your audience has. So now the, the pitch is so much more interesting. Now, when you reach out to the brand, you say, Hey, like I've got this big, like, let me, let me help you access this big, you know, pool of prospective customers for you from <laughs> QuickBooks. In fact, some of them have already said that they use your product. Right. So, um, so that's the sponsors. And then the final one, which I think is what terrifies most people is alliances. There is going to be products and services and things that you are just never going to offer to your audience. You're just not going to go there. That's not a product you're going to make. Of course, you're going to make. You better be going out there and trying to form joint, like JVs, joint ventures, partnerships, alliances, affiliate things with your friends who are, who are doing awesome stuff. They have this course over here or they, you know, are doing this cool type of coaching that your audience really needs help with, right? And so the, um, the reason that most people don't think about this in this granular level of detail, because they have a scarcity mindset. They think if I talk about anything other than my own stuff, that's going to be less money for my podcast listener to spend on my stuff. And so I'd rather just not do it. And so what I love to do is flip that on its head and be like, no, let, let's talk about the abundance mindset here. There is an unlimited pool of money that exists in the, in the universe. And in fact, if, if your audience looks to you as the person that recommended this tool 
from a sponsor or this some other person's cool course, they're going to be more likely to buy your thing because they trust mm. you more. Right. And so the, 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 the beauty of this is that you're actually going to make way more money in the long run when you have this mindset. And so this whole product first offers mindset is really, really critical and kind of circling back to your, to your whole point around, you know, understanding how to pick sponsors and understanding how to properly do it. It's not just about the brands that you intimately use. Um, it, it's about how you can best serve your audience. That just fundamentally changed my brain chemistry. I had one way that I was thinking about sponsorships and like, I knew you were going to do this, but I just didn't realize it was going to happen so fast. Like that <laughs> is such a beautiful way of, of looking at it, of thinking about it. And I now have just like opened up my mind to like the possibilities of, yeah, this, this, this audience first offer is such a brilliant thing. Like, yeah, I mean, I know multiple people's brains are just, just popping <laughs> off right now. It's crazy. Uh, I love all of that. And I really think that maybe that's where I've been. Yeah. I've experienced a lot of stuff that I was like, I don't even know if this is audience first or even like pro like for the, you know, creator first, like products they actually use. And I think some of those sponsorships, uh, that I've just heard over the years have like turned me away from sponsorships, uh, you know, to an extent. And, but this actually just like re-energized my way of like really in a way of service. And the biggest point that you made there that really connected with me was like the fact that if you can get your audience that's telling you, Hey, I use this thing or I need support with this, a deal for something else that it can also, you know, three months later lead to them buying your course or booking a call with you. Like it's just building trust uh, with your audience. So that's really, really powerful. The question then, now that we've established all of that and you briefly mentioned it with the start of your show. So I love, because, you know, if you started a show with the sponsor from day one, uh, with technically like, yes, you have audiences everywhere else, but you didn't have a podcast audience. Like how did, how did you land that sponsor? And then the main question everyone has is like, at what point can I start, you know, going after getting brand deals and sponsorships? All right. So let me tell the story here. Um, the sponsor is ConvertKit. Um, they're, you know, an email service provider. I've, you know, the funny thing is I've told this story so many times and the, and the reason that I love telling it is because this is a great illustration of why they took a chance on me because here's what happened. So, uh, I basically approached the partnerships manager at ConvertKit and I was honest. I basically said, I have no idea how this show is going to go. <laughs> so, so full disclosure, uh, or just a little bit of context. Um, my show is called creator debates. Um, and every episode, uh, pits two high profile creators against each other to debate a, ho a hotly contested topic in the creator economy. Um, and the tagline is, uh, stupid arguments to help creators make smart decisions. And, uh, it's super fun and it's kind of irreverent, very similar to my kind of my personality. Um, and I knew that the persona of the audience was the exact type of customer that ConvertKit is trying to reach, right? They're trying mm -hmm. to go after creators who are trying to go pro or trying to make money out of their craft. Um, and so I basically laid it out on the line when I was talking to the um, you know partnerships manager. I said, look, I don't know how this is going to do. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I don't know how many downloads. I don't know what the, you know, viewership is going to be like because it was going to be a YouTube a video for a show on YouTube as well, um, as well as the audio uh, version. Um, and I said, like, I think it's going to go really well. And like, to your point, like I did have some track record already. I had the YouTube channel, I had my newsletter and so on. And so, um, you know, I pointed to that kind of as my portfolio as credibility. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like a little bit, like go check this out, you know? Um, yeah. and so they basically said, let's give it a shot. I mean, this, this was literally the deal. Let's do it like kind of a month to month thing. We'll hand, we'll shake our hands. We'll just kind of put our thumb in the air in terms of like the price per insertion for the ad. It was, you know, they were going to be the only sponsor in that at the beginning. Um, and they, you know, they, the amount that they paid me was like way more than like, you know, if I were to go like the CPM route of like, you know, how many downloads the, the, you know, episodes got out the gates. Um, and you know, to this to this whole point around kind of the halo effect, because I have now told this story of how much I have appreciated the fact that they took a chance on me probably mm -hmm. 20 times, like on various podcasts and to friends and things like that. And so 
like brands also, if they're smart, understand that there is value in taking a chance on people when it's early because they're going to, the word of mouth factor, um, if mm. that person is, you know, well connected and has, you know, is looked at favorably by the industry, um, it's hard to measure the, ret the return on mm -hmm. that if you're just looking at the kind of the, the spreadsheet and so smart brands understand that there's this halo effect associated with taking a chance on people who are who are really passionate about what they're doing and that they see that there's like a potential for this thing to take off and so sure enough uh convertkit you know renewed for the second season um and it's been an awesome relationship ever since and so i think it's just like having the confidence to realize like you have to shoot your shot. The most that they could have said to me was no. And I'd be like, okay, I'll, it's, it's all good. I'll go and, uh, you know, find someone else or, I, you know, this type of idea. And, and, you know, over the years, I've, I've really developed this, this thick skin to realize that if a brand rejects you or they ghost you, it's not no, it's just not yet. Yep. Right. That mm -hmm. it, like it, it just may not be the right time for them. It's not the right focus for their for their own uh, initiatives and objectives within the company. Um, and so if you can just have this humility and this objectivity around, it's not an existential crisis. You don't need to cry yourself to sleep or look in the mirror and, you know, have to hear a tiny violin like it's going to be OK <laughs> and just be persistent and follow up with them. We could we could get into that, too, because that's also an interesting discussion. Yep. But like, it, you know, it's all going to come back around. Yeah, no, I love that. I you know, and I actually talked about that uh, in a recent episode around like getting bigger guests on your podcast. Like it's not a no, it's just like a not yet. And I love like, I love the parallels in this creator journey across multiple things. And and honestly, I feel like most things of like that you view as like levels of success along, you know, a creator's journey is really just like a lot of like, not yet. Can I share that uh, an anecdote there? Yeah. Um, I, was re I was rejected by a very large podcast that I applied to be on early mm. on in my journey um and i was bummed like i'll be totally honest i was like really bummed it was like someone who i really looked up to and admired and all that stuff too i didn't let it get to me though i didn't let my you know that i didn't let it make me dislike that person anymore um and what happened was i was you know started building up my notoriety and my name and all this stuff too, started getting to speak at certain events, um, which all ultimately kind of culminated in speaking alongside this person at a recent event um, and got to kind of rub shoulders with them and this type of thing. Um, and then, you know, several months later, um, you know, was on someone else's podcast who asked me, what's your dream podcast to be on? And I said this person, right. And after the podcast was over, uh, she said, I actually know her and I'm going to make an introduction. I'm good friends with their team and I think you'd be a perfect fit. So she led, she made the intro uh, and their team said, oh, this is so great. We're planning for 2024. Just followed up with this person two days ago and seems like 95% sure that I'm going to be speaking to this person's community now. And so um, this very large podcaster. And so this is just like a perfect example of like you cannot give up because you know it just may not be the right time um, and it's not personal. Yeah, I love that, dude. Well, one, congrats. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And I think it really just speaks to the fact that like, yeah, we're committed to a long game. The creator journey is a long game. I'm I'm really at the beginning of mine, but I'm now fully like understood that because I'm like, man, all this time that I was so worried about like not achieving X, Y success super fast actually just has now slowed me down so much. And now I'm just like, I'm literally excited for stuff that can't happen yet, but will happen in five years. And that's, fundamentally shifted like my whole creator journey so i love what you said i love the perspective of you know this experience with convert kit you know i'm about to start the newsletter you can tell them you got one more sign up today you know there you go use my affiliate link by the way <laughs> i will i will do that we'll put it in the description kidding not kidding not kidding but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 right 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 uh there you go so even better no so i love that um yeah and so, I mean, I, I love that whole perspective, you know, but I do think there is that small caveat, right, of like where you did have a brand to be like, hey, I don't know how this is going to go, but here's some proof, right? So if somebody is in that that journey where they don't even have like, they haven't done anything else fully yet, maybe they're just starting out and they haven't landed any sponsorships whatsoever, like at what point is there a baseline you typically tell people like, you know, this amount of subscribers, amount of downloads, this whatever, is like a good baseline to to go after because I think that's what's like stopped a lot of people from even, you know, maybe even entering this as a concept because they just have no idea. 
There's a subject uh, concept that I like to talk about um, called the sponsorship continuum, okay? Because what you pitch changes based on where you're at in your journey, okay? So when you're in the just starting out and you have, you know, 100 average, you know, listens or 50 listens per episode or downloads or whatever, uh, or a couple hundred, less than a thousand, let's say, um, it's likely not going to move the needle for you to reach out to a brand and be like, let me talk about you on my podcast, right? For however much money you're charging. It's not, it's not going to be that meaningful to them. Like, let's just be real here. Right. Um, and so the thrust of your pitch should probably not be that, but you know what the thrust of your pitch could be? It could be, Hey, I love your brand. My audience, I have some psychographic info here of why my audience loves your brand. Um, but you know what? I actually think you could be telling your brand story in a much more compelling way. Have you ever considered launching a podcast for your brand on your platforms? I could help you stand that up. And oh, by the way, the reason why I have credibility is go look at my podcast because it's my portfolio. So that pitch now, it doesn't matter how many downloads you have on your podcast. It's much more about the production quality, the polish of you as the host. Maybe you're offering to be the host on this brand's podcast, um, this new podcast that they're going to stand up. Um, and so this, this, you know, you can extrapolate this to other, all sorts of other platforms too. It starts getting really compelling. Instagram, TikTok, short form content, YouTube stuff. Like if the brand doesn't have really a robust social presence at all, you do your audit and you say, I think there's, there's a lot we could work with here. Let me help you do that. You don't have to hire me full time. I'll do this in a freelance capacity. I'll deliver you, you know, two podcast episodes a month or one long form YouTube video or social content, whatever. It's going to be, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars a month now. Um, but again, your podcast serves as your as your credibility, your portfolio, right? Now let's move along the continuum. You're now growing, right? You've got a couple thousand, 10,000 downloads per, you know, whatever it is per, per episode, you're growing now. Um, now maybe the pitch is more like a hybrid, right? Where you're going to be pitching. Yeah, I'm going to do some work for you, right? But now it's, it's starting to get more meaningful now for me to talk about you on my podcast now. So maybe we do a mix of both, right? Um, and then the far end of the continuum is now you have achieved, you're starting to achieve some scale. You're getting tens of thousands of views per YouTube video or per podcast download or whatever. And now it's maybe chiefly meaningful for you to talk about this brand on your platforms exclusively, right? And so I think it's a, a really helpful exercise to kind of map in your brain, where do you think you're at? Because it's not an arbitrary follower count or subscriber count or listener count. It's about how do you think you can best serve your audience as well as potential brand partners. Um, and so your pitch should just be tailored uh, to to that as well as what the brand's uh, objectives are. I love that. I really love the perspective of definitely if you're kind of like at the beginning, like, I mean, honestly, like where my show is currently at, like that, that start of the continuum might make honestly the most sense for me right now. And I could see where I, I could explore doing that. Um, and I think that can apply to so many people, like whether you're doing podcasting or whether you're a TikToker or YouTuber, like there's a lot of opportunity within there that I'm feeling like a lot of creators just like stop themselves because they just see like sponsorships kind of as like one way versus this continuum. So I love that. That's super powerful. Brain chemistry changed again. You just keep going. I love it. Uh, so to me, the next question that I feel like most people would have and I know there's so much nuance to this, but to give somebody a baseline is how do you really know what to begin charging? And I'm going to assume that most people love to undersell themselves. Like you said, most people have a scarcity mindset versus like an abundant mindset, which is just, I love that you said that, fully agree with that. I, I love to fluctuate between the two. Today, we're more on the abundant <laughs> side now that I'm talking to you. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a continuum right there, you know? Uh, so I would love to know kind of a, a baseline of what someone could aim for uh, to let them kind of, again, give them permission to like go for mm. this. One of the biggest mistakes that podcasters make when it comes to setting their rates for a podcast ad read or insertion or something like that is they either have a media kit 
with a page with a, like a rate sheet or a rate card. It's going to be $50 per insertion or 200 or whatever, whatever it is, right? Some, some arbitrary number who, how did they arrive at that number? I don't know. My friend charges that. So I'm going to charge that too, right? This type of idea, right? <laughs> um, or they have an area on their website where they say, oh, just go and book it using Stripe. Here's all the inventory here. You go, there's tools out there, software programs that allow you to do this kind of thing too. Um, and it's like, oh, it's so great. It's all seamless and th this type of thing. And for podcasters that are doing this, I sit down, they book a call with me or they're in my course or something. And uh, I, I put my hand on their shoulder and I say, how do you know that this brand who just booked, you know, four slots for $200, how do you know whether their budget wasn't $50,000 and they would have been um, your title sponsor for your entire show for the entire season? Man. You didn't even talk to them. You had no conversation with them. And they went to that spot on their website and they're like, they're like, well, I guess this is the only way we can work with Chris because mm. he says he has it right there. So I guess, I guess we'll just book that. But the, the, the actual scary part is that a lot of brands won't do it. They won't make that call because it's not what they want. And so mm. the big mindset shift that I want everyone to hear is that delete that page from your media kit, remove that page from your, uh, from your website and instead replace it with a contact form. Okay. I want you, you have to have a conversation with this brand. You have to get on this, you know, whether it's over email, fine, or better yet is a phone call so they can start establishing some rapport and you can differentiate yourself. So you're not a commodity from other podcasters and you can actually ask them questions about what their objectives are. Hey, what, you know, what, what's your product roadmap look like? What's in the pipeline? What are, you know, uh, are you, tell me about the business, you know, the, the market climate for you. Are you facing competitive headwinds? Are you having supply chain issues? What are you excited about? Are there pockets of the market that you're not, you haven't, you know, penetrated yet? Uh, just let them talk, ask all the, you know, do some research and you ask these questions live and you're going to completely set yourself apart because now it seems like you're invested and interested in the outcome of this sponsorship. And the other beautiful part of the, about this now is that now you have a download of what their success metrics would look like. You could, you could ask them, what, what does a win look like for you? And they'll tell you. And so then when you put together this bespoke proposal for them, instead of this like, hey, go check out my media kit, pick, pick package one, two, three, or four, you're saying, hey, this is what I teach people is like pack, page one in your proposal is what I heard. The, go the goals. This is what you told me. You said you wanted to do this. You wanted to do this. You wanted to do this. And then, then you have the next page, which is, okay, here's package one, which is going to help you accomplish goal one. You told me that you want to get awareness for this conference that's coming up. Okay, great. We're going to do some podcast ad reads where we have a coupon code for $50 off your ticket. Click the show notes, this type of thing, right? It's kind of a, a conversion. For, they want to sell tickets to this conference, right? Goal two is they wanted to drive leads to their whatever, their webinar. Okay, great. Well, that one, I'm going to do Instagram stories or I'm going to do a newsletter blast where it's going to be more focused on driving, you know, signups to that webinar, whatever, you know, and, and then you told me that your content strategy sucks. So package three is going to be me making audiograms for you that you can use to run paid advertising or put on your website or whatever. Right. And so it's this whole idea around, um, like when you reach out to a brand and, and you say, Hey, you have your hands out and you say, Oh, Hey, please sponsor me. My podcast <laughs> is perfect for you. They don't have random piles of money laying around for that, but you know what they do mm. have? They have ran, they have big buckets, piles of money laying around for their own objectives. So your mm. goal is to help them understand that they can accomplish all those things by sponsoring you. Mm. I love that. What I am really kind of taken in from this conversation and I hope people are truly, truly taking this in. Like this literally is, I, I fundamentally believe, I mean, you changed my life in this last like literally 40 minutes and I know it'll be the same for so many other creators. Again, stay humble, but you can be a little bit confident, you know, again, whatever, you know, whatever you choose. But um, it really feels like trying to be of service as a creator, as a podcaster to your audience, and then the brand. And this is such a different dynamic than some of the sponsorship campaigns that I have seen over the years. And I think when you flip it from just trying to, you know, you're a commodity for the brand and they're paying you some money and you're just like trying to cash in a little bit versus being like, I'm going to spend time with this brand. I'm going to get on a call with their team. I'm going to talk to them. We're going to understand. And, and instead of, yeah, like a page just like, hey, here's my rates and, you know, 
It's like, no, here's a detailed thing that I heard from your pain points and I want to help serve you, which is equally serving my audience. Then like all you're doing is you're just being a giver and at the same time making more than you would if you were just treating yourself without you even probably being aware as a commodity to a brand that then also devalues your relationship to your audience because they're like, mm. well, I don't need this. I also don't even believe that you even use this. So there's no like creator first offer or audience first offer like you said. But instead, it's sort of just this like, I don't know, like this is a show about, uh, you know, money and I'm getting served ads about like dog food. And I'm like, I don't understand, mm. you know, what what this is. So one question there is, well, one, did I summarize that pretty well? Is there any context you want to add there? You summarized it great, but I also want to add one quick thing, which is a, a tactical recommendation to your going back, because I don't want to completely sidestep the question about like how much you charge. Um, I have one piece of advice that will actually help a lot, which is when you're in these conversations, you're on this phone call with the brand, you ask them all these questions. At the very end, they're probably going to say, okay, so how much do you charge? They might ask this, right? Like back you into a corner. So how about how much do you charge? Like this type of thing. And what I want you to do is say the following. You say, well, um, this information was super useful. Um, I'm going to go back and put together, put together a proposal of what I believe would be the best way for us to partner. Typically what I like to do is put together a couple different packages to give you a sense of like what's feasible. Do you have a sense, brand, do you have a sense of what those, let's say, three tiers should be from a budget feasibility perspective. And then you shut up. You don't say anything. And this is very different than saying what's your budget. Because if you say what's their budget, they're going to be like, you know, 10K. And what, what do you think you're going to come back with? You're going to come back with a proposal for 10K. So as, by asking them for tiers or a range, you are now giving them an out. You're saying if they come back and say one, two, three K or five, 10, 15 K or whatever, you're accomplishing a couple things. Number one, you're going to understand, um, like whether you should, how much time you should put into this, right? If they say a hundred dollars, 200, 300, then you're going to be like, okay, this is a waste of time. Or, uh, maybe they come back with something much larger than you were expecting. Um, and that's, will give you a sense of like, uh, you know, how much time to commit to this. But the other, uh, really important exercise here is that is to realize that you're likely not the only person that they're reaching out to. There's probably 10, 20, 30 other podcasters that are reaching out to. And so what, uh, what giving you a range allows them to do is Tetris their budget. So they probably have 100K or 50K or whatever that they're trying to spend for this podcast campaign in December, January, whatever. And so um, if you give them a 10, 20, 30K you know, packages or you know, 1, 2, 3K, um, they're now putting all these together and they're being like, oh, okay, that's great. We have a package for Chris at this level, so we can still slot him into that. Contrast that if you only come back with one number, it's going to be really difficult for them to believe that they can actually still work with you if they have budgetary constraints with other partners that they've already locked in. So, so that's in the scenario. So, so what I have found, I've done this hundreds, th literally thousands of times between myself personally, I've done over 500 sponsorships and I've done thousands through the agency that I ran. Um, and about 75% of the time they will tell you the range. It seems surprising, but like they'll usually give you some sort of range. The other 25%, they'll say, no, you tell us, we don't know. We don't have a budget. We don't know. And so my, my advice here is not scientific, but it's helpful. It's what is your hell yeah number? Meaning when you send over those packages in that proposal to the brand package one, which is the lowest investment amount better be, if they choose that, you better say, hell yeah, let's do this. I'm excited. Not, oh man, I wish they would have picked package three because now I have to do this and I'm bummed and you start resenting the deal. And so whatever that number is for you, figure that out and put that number for package one. And so it's less about like, here's the formula based on your viewership. And I have calculators and stuff in my course and stuff, which help you kind of develop a baseline. But like the more important thing I think is not resenting this relationship that you're forging. I love that so much. The, the hell yeah number makes a lot of sense to me. And I feel like, you know, that's obviously a number that can evolve a ton. Uh, I mean, as a, as a ballpark, like what was your what was your beginning hell yeah number if you even remember? 
Dude, our beginning, hell yeah, number when we were first on YouTube was like a hundred bucks. We were like, this brand is gonna be paying, like willing to pay us a hundred bucks to talk about us in a YouTube video. Like we were, our minds were blown, dude. Um, I remember the first like long-term deal that we got. Um, this was for my wife's YouTube channel. It was a Korean skincare company that offered to pay her $700 a month for six months for inclusion in two YouTube videos. And we, we were like early 20s. Like that was like, almost our rent or like wow. a little bit less but it was like i don't know 60 70 percent 80 percent of our rent and we like we could not but that is still a lot of money like that was a huge yeah. amount of money for us back then because i was like you know 10, what is it 10 plus years ago um and like our immediate thought was like how can we find 10 more brands to do this with you know like that was our first thought was like because we were still had our nine to five jobs at that point right and so um it was like it, I, I i like talking about this this story because um it only takes one brand to really make you believe like, wow, this is actually, maybe this could be a thing. Maybe I could turn this into a, you know, revenue income generating thing for my family. Maybe I could one day quit my full-time job and do this like as a pot, maybe I could do, right? So it's like, I, I crave that, that moment of um, lucidity uh, for, for podcasters because it, it only takes one amazing opportunity for you to really, you know, catch the bug I found. You find one, it's easier to find the next one that confidence can build in you. And then we, but go back to the, even if you get a bunch of no's, like it's just not, it's just not yet, right? And so kind of that that battle between them and just really trusting yourself that it's going to happen, giving yourself permission to keep going after it. I'm extremely inspired, man. I'm super grateful for you showing up on the show, kind of giving us all of this value. I mean, I know that there's like so much in this. I'm committed. I'm super excited to you know, join your course here in the future because like it's go time for me. Uh, I'm just fired up by this conversation. So, you know, before we go, I do want people to know where they can best find you, where they can best work with you and, you know, have support from you. So I'd love to, you know, hear you kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure, man. Probably the best way to, to figure out everything that's going on in my world is my free newsletter. It's just creatorwizard.com slash join. Um, it's I send out four times a week, actually. Well, three times a week are broadcasts, and one is kind of an evergreen sequence of best hits from my archive. Um, and I send you, you know videos, articles on pitching strategy, negotiation stuff, pricing, you know, um, and but probably the most important reason that you want to want to subscribe is that I send you paid sponsorship opportunities for free every single week. <laughs> so mm. on a silver platter, here you go. These, these are brands that are currently trying to find creators to pay and partner with. So so it's a really awesome newsletter. And then, you know, you'll if you want to go down the rabbit hole of like my courses and coaching and all that stuff, um, you know, you'll find out from the newsletter. So yeah, it's just creatorwizard.com slash join. I want everybody to definitely sign up for the newsletter. All of you here that are, are podcasters, creators, and whatever you know category that you that you fit in. I mean, my entire perception of sponsorships has changed. I went into this, but you know, again, I was like jaded by certain sponsorship campaigns that never felt effective to me. But now, looking at it through this lens of service of giving. One, it makes it sound a lot more fun. Like that's what I'm committed to, like over the evolution of like my brand and, and the shows that I work on is being of service, which when you go to that, it's like, well, then it's like a win-win all around. Like you can't really go go wrong with it. So excited and grateful for that. Uh, my final question to you around this whole sponsorship thing is if there's one thing right now that when you see people do it, you just bash your head against the wall. You don't understand it. It's like the biggest mistake. You just want to grab them by the shoulders uh, because they're making this mistake with their sponsorships. What would that one thing be? All right. I've got a hot take here. Are you ready for this one, dude? Oh, I'm ready. I believe that 99% of creators, podcasters, influencers should not hire managers or agents or brokers to do their sponsorships for them. Um, and pay 20, 25% or more um, to do this. A lot of creators have this um, artist's mindset where it's like, I just want to focus on the creative stuff. I don't, I don't really want to do the business stuff. Like I'll, I'm happy to pay 20, 25% of someone else to like handle that for me. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, and almost without exception, if I looked at all of the creators that I've known over the last almost 15 years doing this on the internet, um, almost without exception, the ones who had that attitude of just kind of delegating the business stuff to someone else 
are either no longer creators or they've really struggled. Mm. And almost without exception, the creators who have taken it upon themselves, let me learn this stuff. Let me understand how to get on a phone call with the brand. Let me understand how to, you know, make products. Let me understand how to like actually be the CEO of my own creator business to some degree. Almost without exception, those people are thriving. And I feel as though um, this idea around, I'm actually, there's a first look exclusive here. Like I'm, I'm considering naming my book, Fire Your Agent. I'm writing a book. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna call it Fire Your Agent or maybe Don't Hire a Manager or Fire, I don't know, working title, let's say. We'll figure um, it out. But it's like, I feel, I feel very strongly that um, your outcomes of having a sustainable long-term career doing this um, largely hinges on whether you decide to learn this stuff yourself. And what I'm not saying is don't have a team because I have a team. I have a director of operations, critically, who I've hired in-house and I've we are developing this competency within our own company. Hmm. So we're retaining that. We are not building someone else's book of business. We're not building someone else's Rolodex. I have, I've, I've written some articles about this topic and I, I could go, I could talk for a long time about this stuff, but I really believe, and I've made, I've made some enemies, frankly, or, or some, uh, you know, I, I've been very con like kind of nervous to talk about this stuff. Cause I have a lot of friends in this industry, a lot of managers, agents, all this stuff too. And I'm out here being like, fire your agent, fire your manager. Right. Um, but it's like, I really believe the vast, vast, vast majority of people should not do this. You should learn it yourself. You should keep all, you know, a hundred percent of your earnings. Um, and it's going to be much better for your career in the long run. That is a hot take that I am so grateful that you just shared, man. I, I understand why you'd be a little bit nervous sharing that. To me, what I hear, and I hopefully these, you know, if there's any agents or managers listening, you know, don't, don't, don't be scared or be offended by it. But it's more like, I feel like it's just the, you know, the world is, is changing, like the creator economy is changing and like, they're going to have to be ready to change with that and, and see it as an opportunity. Like, again, you, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff, it feels like that what you want to get to is just like, okay, working with this brand is, is a hell yes. You know, working with this manager, you know, like right now it's, yeah, you're telling people to fire them, but maybe in five years, someone's cracked the code of like a different type of relationship setup that makes more sense. That is a hell yes, you know, and that those managers and agents can still thrive. The people that figure that out will be the ones that end up surviving through it. But I, I actually love what you said that like, by getting, you know, your hands dirty, by fully understanding, like you've been in this game for a very, very long time. YouTube OG, which I respect and I love. I am the same way. I have been on YouTube since 2006, every single day of my life. Oh, man. Uh, for better, for worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just love what you said, though. Like, you've, I've seen a lot of people come and go. You've seen a lot of people come and go. And to realize, like, what sometimes gets in the way of that or it causes that is by them not mm. taking control of of their business and then at some point let you know delegating and, and just being strategic and smart not yeah. following what other industries do or what you know what they're just think like they're assuming they should do so it's really powerful yeah. man but by the way uh real quickly on that to to put a bookend on that um i actually believe i have a model that that will be the next evolution of this um, mm. which is, it's a new, a new thing that we're doing. Um, and I'm calling it asynchronous sponsorship coaching. Mm. And so what this, what this offer is, and we've got eight creators in there right now, um, is it's twice a week support directly from our team where mm. we, you have a, let's say a conversation and to go, you know, inbound offer comes in from a brand, they want to collaborate with you. Um, and you just, what, what, what should I charge on this? What packages should it you know look like? Help me prep, prepare for this call. I'm I'm comfortable. These creators are comfortable getting on a phone call with the brand, kind of handling emails back and forth. But they just want a backstop. They just want someone to say, "Hey, can you take a second look at this? Does this look right? Like, should I change stuff around about this? Like, I'm in this chat. You know, this brand came back to me with feedback on the content that I created, and I don't really know if it's I should agree to this. Like, how do I have that mm. conversation, broach that uncomfortable topic with them? And so we have this model where it's basically the way I, it's, it's fee only. Basically the way I look mm. at it is like, you know, financial advisory, right? It's like, you've got the assets under management charging 1%, 2%, 
of your of everything every year or you pay someone a couple hundred bucks an hour to you know give advice um and and so our model is it's a thousand bucks a month at least right now a thousand bucks a month twice a week asynchronous so you can send and put messages in the room at any time but tuesday and thursday our teaming team comes in boom 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 answers all your questions and again like the people in this room they have very robust businesses right so for yeah. us it's like you know paying us a thousand a month or 10k for the year whatever um it's like a drop in the bucket they keep everything you keep 100 yeah. percent. you do it all and they're building those relationships it's like direct you know connections with those brands and agencies um and so i'm really excited about this this kind of new model um because mm. i think like as creators grow and, and and feel empowered to kind of run the business themselves, um, it'll be pretty attractive to have just kind of key strategic uh, third party partners um, who can help them with like really specific uh, areas of their business. That sounds super smart, makes a ton of sense to me and feels like you already have the solution. So you're in like the perfect position. You're also perfectly like you being the person that speaks about all this stuff and is like, hey, do this thing, but actually here's the solution. And I'm also having it like, I hope people are taking notes. Like Justin is, <laughs> is an expert at all of this. Uh, fundamentally from sponsorships to being a creator to like running a business, man, I'm super inspired by you. Grateful for you taking the time to be on this show to give to, you know, my audience here and really just, you know, acknowledge you for the way that you show up for creators in all capacities and to show up, you know, as a person, I really love this whole conversation. I'm super fired up. I know everyone else listening is also fired up and uh, just continue changing lives, man. Super grateful. Is there any final thing that you'd want to send people off with? First of all, very appreciative. You did forget uh, Handsome, though. Oh, that list. right. Yeah, I, I, I was trying know. to... I was trying to keep it, back it out from this the beginning. time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, I, again, like, I think you're you're toggling the line of being humble, you know? Um, so I think the fact that you brought that up, like, again, I, I'll let people be the judge of that. Oh, um, man. You know, but you know, like... handsome. You know, you are. Okay, okay, okay. Real, real quickly, like, um, on the subject of, like, being unabashedly yourself, I was not this way for a long time. And people would meet me in real life and be like, man, you're so much funnier or like irreverent in real life than you are on the internet. Like it's very, it was jarring for a lot of people for a long time. And eventually, no. and I, I felt that way because I felt like I need to, needed to be kind of polished, professional, yeah. right? Because I, I came from the world of medical devices, by the way. We didn't even talk about that. But I was like, yeah. I'm an engineer by background. I had a corporate job. I had all that whole thing. And so I was very buttoned up and, you know, do all that. Um, and so when I was on the internet, I felt like I needed to be that version of myself, right? Yeah. Um, and so it took me a long time to be comfortable to be like, no, like, actually, I make jokes all the time. I, I'm not serious. I, I say stuff that people, jokes that don't get, and it's just like, whatever, I roll with it, it's just me. And once I embraced that, I hope everyone hears this, like once you can find a way to embrace the real you, um, I feel like that's when things started taking off for me, honestly, because people, like you said, like, you know, I'm, I make jokes all the time and I, I don't take myself seriously. And it makes this subject around sponsorships that feels scary, a little more approachable just because of the way in which I uh, deliver it, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I just wanted to maybe leave that parting note. Cause I, I feel like there's magic there. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, man. Everybody go follow Justin on all socials, sign up for the newsletter, really consider taking, you know, his courses, cohorts, Signing up for, you know, a private call with him, definitely worth the investment, worth the time. And just thank you for being here, man. 